Jadavion Clowney is considered by many to be one of the greatest South Carolina football players ever. And now, Jadavion Clowney is getting one of the highest honors one can receive. His jersey is officially being retired. Locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show, as always, for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every single day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast daily. For today's show on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, we are going to discuss some of the greatest players that have ever donned the Garnet and Black. I'm going to talk about the recent announcement that Jadavion Clowney is going to have his jersey officially retired at the University of South Carolina. What all does that mean, and what all did he do to earn such an honor? And then I'm going to try to make the case for which jersey should be retired next for South Carolina's football program. And then lastly, I'm going to talk about all the controversy that has been stirred up over the nickname of South Carolina's live mascot. That is going to be the roadmap for today's show. So let's go on ahead and get on right into it. Starting off with Jadavion Clowney. It was announced by the university this past Friday afternoon that Jadavion Clowney's jersey is officially being retired during the game against Georgia State this upcoming Saturday. Clowney is the first player to have his jersey retired since Sterling Sharp had his retired back in 1987. That was 35 years ago. And he joins Mike Johnson, George Rogers, Steve Wadiak, and Sterling Sharp as the only players in program history to have their jersey retired. Now, some of you may be sitting there and wondering, Andrew, what does it mean that Clowney is only having his jersey retired and not his jersey number? Well, basically, if Clowney's jersey number were to be officially retired, then no one after this season could ever wear his jersey number ever again. But for his jersey alone to be retired, that pretty much means that Clowney's going to get celebrated like anyone would if they got their jersey number retired. Except for any player who plays for the South Carolina Gamecocks in the future can still wear the number 7 on their jersey. It is not off limits for a player to request that Number. So that's essentially what that means with Clowney getting his jersey retired and not his jersey number. Now, of course, according to the athletic department, there are a lot of factors that play into the discussion of a player having their jersey retired. These factors are graduation or good academic standing, postseason national and conference recognitions, school records being held by this player, and their impact on team accomplishments. So, how did Jadavion Clowney meet all of these marks? Well, in terms of postseason recognition, Jadavion Clowney was a consensus All-American in his Banner 2012 season, was a first-team All-American again in the 2013 season, and also won the Tim Hendricks Award in 2012, which is given to the best defensive end in college football every single year. Regarding school records being held, Clowney owns the school record for forced fumbles in a career with nine. He's also third in school history in terms of sacks with 24 and second all-time 
in terms of tackles for loss with 47. And with his impact on team accomplishments, this one's a pretty obvious one. Clowney was clearly a big player for this team during their magical three-year run between 2011 and 2013, where the Gamecocks won 33 games, three bowl games, and by the way, never lost to Clemson in that stretch. Now, obviously, these are all of the stats that show why Jadavion Clowney deserves this honor recognition at South Carolina, but I think it is easy for some of us now to forget just how dominant Jadavion Clowney was. You got to think about this. In terms of recruiting, there's a lot of recruits out there that are given five-star status. Obviously, five stars are not supremely uncommon in terms of the collective all-time recruits out of high school football, but it's obviously very hard to earn five stars in a recruiting cycle. Jadavion Clowney not only was a five-star recruit coming out of South Point High School in the Rock Hill area in South Carolina, but he was also rated a perfect 1.00 prospect. Basically, they did not find any real flaws with his game coming out of high school. He was, numerically speaking, the perfect prospect. He was the number one prospect in the country for the 2011 recruiting class. When South Carolina got Jadavion Clowney's commitment for that cycle, it was by far the biggest recruiting win in South Carolina's program history. And up to that point, there weren't very many five stars who had chosen to go to South Carolina in the first place. The fact that Clowney was homegrown and decided to come to South Carolina created a perfect storm of hype for the young 18-year-old at that time. Now, when Clowney, of course, came to South Carolina, he was the most physically gifted athletic freak that had ever graced the football field here. There were a lot of times where South Carolina would be facing an opponent on Saturday, and you would see sometimes two and even three blockers on the offensive line all accounting for Jadavion Clowney in some way, shape, or form. He took that much attention from an opponent in terms of scouting and strategizing. You have to be a very dominant player on the defensive line to get that many double teams and even sometimes triple teams. In modern college football or modern football period, there's really only one player that gets that kind of attention at either the college or professional level, and that is Aaron Donald. So... That tells you just how good Jadavion Clowney was while he was here. And obviously, some people will point to 2013 and say that Clowney did not do as well as he could have. Some people accuse him of maybe not playing as hard as he could have. But there's a couple of things I have to say to that. First of all, if you just say that he didn't get the stats that maybe you thought he should get because it was for a lack of effort, you know, Sure, maybe there were times where Clowney wasn't giving 110% on a particular play. But again, you also got to take into account how much he was going through double team and triple team blocks, like I mentioned earlier. It's not like Jadavion Clowney was just completely shut down for that entire season. He still had, I believe, 11 tackles for loss and three sacks in 2013, which is not bad numbers, especially when looking at the stat lines you normally see for SEC defensive linemen today in 2022. And another thing to keep in mind is this. Clowney still played the entire 2013 season. There have been instances in the past several years where if guys got hurt during their college football season, they just decide not to play the rest of the year. You obviously had Nick Bosa at Ohio State do this after he suffered an abdominal injury. You have guys like Christian McCaffrey who, you know, 
could have played one more game with Stanford in their bowl game. I believe it was the Sun Bowl his final year there, and he chose to opt out and start preparing for the NFL draft. If there's one prospect who has the argument that they could have been the first player to ever do such a thing, it was Jadavion Clowney. Guess what? He didn't do it. There were even articles, I think, posted back in those days talking about the prospects of how Jadavion should sit out his junior year and just start preparing for the NFL draft. He still played every single game, including the Capital One Bowl game against the Wisconsin Badgers, which the Gamecocks won on that day. So to make all of these claims about Jadavion Clowney, in my opinion, especially with what we've seen players do in recent years, is very unfair to him, and that does not get brought up enough. But the bottom line, Jadavion Clowney is by far one of the greatest college football athletes you have ever seen. Jadavion Clowney was a dominant force that, quite frankly, no one could probably stop consistently when he was in his prime here at South Carolina. And it is with good reason that he's going to have his jersey retired at South Carolina because he was a big part of the reason why South Carolina was put on the national map, why they were spotlighted more than any other time in their program's history because of guys like him. And another guy who I'm going to mention just a few moments as I start up my discussion for who I think should have their jersey retired next. But before I get into that, I do need to pass along a quick message from our friends at Bet Online, who are the sponsors for today's show. Now, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games, along with reviews and news of every league, including the NFL. College football. Bet Online's win total over under for South Carolina is still set at six and a half right now, and the over is set, I believe, at plus 110 right now. So if you're a Gamecock fan and you think the Gamecocks are going to easily surpass six regular season wins, uh, this ought to be easy money for you to go ahead and put down on that. You can also look up bets from Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, golf, and yes, even esports. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering needs, including live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered wherever you need them. So be sure to head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn the latest about the trends and action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, and thank you once again for making us your first listen every single day. All right, so as I alluded to at the conclusion of segment one, in my opinion, now that Jadavion Clowney's jersey is officially being retired, we can now have a discussion on which player's jersey should be retired next. Now, obviously, it took 35 years from the time Sterling Sharp's jersey was retired for Jadavion Clowney to get his jersey retired, so... Admittedly, this might not happen quickly, but it's fun to, you know, hypothesize which player should be up next in line here. And in my opinion, while there could be an argument for many people who've been a part of this program, I may be a little bit biased here, but I think that number 14 should be the next jersey retired. But I think that it should be a dual retirement for both Connor Shaw and the late Phil Petty. So I'll start with Connor Shaw real quick. 
As far as I know, Connor Shaw did graduate from South Carolina, but he, of course, was the shot caller for this team during South Carolina's magical run between the years of 2011 and 2013. He finished fourth in school history in terms of cumulative offensive yards by a quarterback, and he also holds the school record as a quarterback for cumulative career touchdowns. And to top it all off, he holds the school record for career wins by a Gamecock quarterback and win a perfect 17-0 at Williams-Brice Stadium. I don't think there's really a whole lot of arguments here that Connor Shaw, when you look at the entire resume that he has for his career here, he is the greatest quarterback that has ever played for South Carolina. Was Connor Shaw the most talented quarterback that South Carolina's ever gotten? No, probably not. Even compared to Spencer Rattler, who's getting ready to be the starter for this upcoming season against Georgia State, Connor Shaw doesn't have as much arm talent as Spencer Rattler, to be fair. Todd Ellis, who is someone that owns, I believe, the career passing yards record and also apparently threw a lot of interceptions when he was South Carolina's quarterback, but that was due to a variety of reasons when he was here. Todd Ellis was rated a five-star, I believe, coming out of high school, or would have been rated a five-star if he was a part of the modern recruiting era. So even Todd Ellis, I believe, would be considered to be someone who had more arm talent than Connor Shaw. But Connor Shaw just had intangibles that you cannot coach. He had grittiness. He had an ability to understand when it was time for him to escape the pocket. He was a coach's son, which made his learning curve so much shorter than it is for most quarterbacks going from being a high school quarterback to a quarterback that's leading an SEC football team. And he did all of this with one of the best offensive minds in college football history, Steve Spurrier, looking over him. Look, Steve Spurrier was a fantastic play caller, a fantastic offensive mind, and I don't maybe want to go as far as to say he changed the game of football, but he certainly made offense a bigger part of a football team's strategy when it came to football games with the fun and gun at Florida and going to South Carolina and then showing how he could adapt to the way football was and the talent that he had by having South Carolina run the football more than he ever did when he was at Florida and even at Duke before then. So, He had Steve Spurrier as his head coach, and Steve Spurrier was someone who was notorious for being hard on his quarterbacks. If you want to find out just how tough he was, you could have probably just one conversation with Steven Garcia, who can be pretty open about this kind of stuff, and you would find out very quickly, yeah, Coach Spurrier, you know, he was a very smart offensive mind, but he was also very hard to work for as a quarterback because he expected so much out of the guy who was going to be handling the football for the majority of the game on offense. And Connor Shaw, despite all of that, and of course, with Coach Spurrier's help and offensive genius working with him, Connor Shaw made it all work and turned it into a memorable run that Gamecock fans are never going to forget. The games that he played against Clemson, the first time that he was a starter for the entirety of the game against Kentucky, where he threw for over 300 yards, I believe, multiple touchdowns, and helped the offense score, I believe, 50-plus points. It was quite the debut for the guy who was going to be the man for this program going forward. And there's no doubt in my mind that with everything I just mentioned, Connor Shaw is someone who deserves to have their jersey retired. But of course, I did not just mention Connor Shaw. I also mentioned Phil Petty's name. Now, Phil Petty, in my opinion, should have his jersey retired or at least be attached to the number 14 jersey being retired for one big reason. 
And that is the fact that Phil Petty helped this program rise from the proverbial ashes after they lost 21 straight football games from 1998 all the way up through the 1999 football season. Phil Petty was the quarterback for the majority of the time that the Gamecocks were in this losing streak. And this was with head coach and future college football Hall of Famer Lou Holtz at the helm. So South Carolina was going through a really rough time during those couple of years. And they had just joined the SEC about six, seven years prior to this losing streak. And I, of course, was only a toddler during the time that all this was taking place, but I can only imagine just how much flack the program got. They probably had people questioning if they belonged in the SEC, if they were ever going to be able to be someone who could be competitive in the SEC, you know, even just win six, seven games. At that time, they were probably viewed to be at the same level that present-day Vanderbilt is at. Okay, maybe not that bad, because we at least still sold out the stadium. But the point being is South Carolina was in a bad spot. And Phil Petty helped South Carolina get out of it. They won 17 games in his final two years with the program in 2000 and 2001. And I want to make this point abundantly clear. I understand if we're basing this honor, a jersey being retired, purely on stats, Phil Petty doesn't have a whole lot, maybe 2.2, like some other guys. But I want to make the point clear, that should not matter. It should not matter at all for this. This guy helped this program get back to national prominence. He was a part of one of the greatest turnarounds in college football history. He had ice in his veins. He was a big reason for why now we can look at South Carolina and we can say we could be a program that can get to the mountaintop. People know that Steve Spurrier showed people that you can win and win big at South Carolina. But some people forget the progress that was made for this program under Lou Holtz's watch. And Phil Petty was a massive part of that. And of course, he tragically passed away just a few weeks ago. And it's really, really sad what his family has had to go through. I can't even imagine what his wife and kids had had to deal with since then. But when you consider the impact, the impact alone that he had on this program, there's no doubt in my mind Phil Petty deserves to be a part of a Jersey retirement ceremony with Connor Shaw. While Connor Shaw might be the number 14 that most people think about originally when it comes to South Carolina quarterbacks, Phil Petty, who also wore number 14 during his time here, should never be forgotten. And in any case, he should always be mentioned with Connor Shaw in terms of the best quarterbacks to ever play for South Carolina. In my mind, you can argue that Phil Petty's impact was just as big as Connor Shaw's was. And for that reason, I think that the number 14 should be the next jersey retired and that Connor Shaw and Phil Petty's names should both be attached to that number when the time comes. Welcome back to the final segment of this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover the South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. So for the final segment of today's show, I'm going to discuss the controversy that has been created over the last several days over the name of South Carolina's live mascot. Now, there is a new name that has been officially announced for South Carolina's live mascot. It was first reported by David Cloninger of the Post and Courier on Twitter yesterday afternoon. And the new name of the Gamecocks live mascot is the General. 
Now, some of you may be sitting here and wondering, well, why did this name have to be changed in the first place? Well, to try to keep a long story short, the ownership rights of South Carolina's live mascot changed from one group of people to another. There is basically a family that has pretty much raised and taken care of South Carolina's mascots for many, many years now. And that is now transferred over to a new family. However, the old owners of South Carolina's live mascot own the rights to the name Sir Big Spur, which has been the name of South Carolina's live mascot for many, many years. And it's one that I think unanimously is liked amongst the fan base. But because of all the legalities in this situation, and to try to avoid any potential lawsuits over them just having the name Big Spur, which is quite close, of course, to Sir Big Spur, the university was advised that they needed to find a new name entirely for the rooster. And so came the name The General. Now, why is it that the live mascots now named The General? Well, the university seems to be going to history as their reasoning for why it's now named The General. A quick history lesson for all of you. There was a man named Thomas Sumter who fought in the American Revolutionary War and was a part of many battles in the state of South Carolina, which was a very vital battleground in the American Revolutionary War. And Thomas Sumter and his men fought to the point where Thomas Sumter eventually earned the nickname the Gamecock, or the Fighting Gamecock, due to the way he and his men fought in the battles they were in. And there's even a town in South Carolina named Sumter, which of course has Sumter High School, and get this, their mascot is also the Gamecocks. So, what are my thoughts regarding this new name, the General, for South Carolina's live mascot? Well, I understand the reasoning behind it, but I just don't think it fits. The name itself, when you just think about the name The General, and you look at the fact that you're applying that name to a rooster, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think about it that way. And when I think of The General, I'm going to be honest with y'all, I think of The General's auto insurance and those commercials with Shaquille O'Neal that I've seen on television dozens and dozens of times now. I don't think of South Carolina's live mascot. But in fairness, some of the name options that were thrown out quite honestly just weren't that great. There was an article that was written by the state's Jeremiah Holloway about five, six days ago regarding this whole debate over what the new name should be. And I don't think he came up with all of these name options, but there was a poll that was put out there with about 10 of them, and they decided to let people vote themselves to see what the people think regarding potentially the new name for the mascot. And these were the options. Cluck Norris, Coop or Cooper, Marco Polo, Cockadoodle Dude, General, Brewster, Captain Cluck, Kickin' Chicken, and Mr. Chicken Scratch. Now, a lot of these names, in my opinion, just flat out stink. I don't think that a lot of these names fit at all to South Carolina's live mascot. And I especially can't stand the fact that the last two names involve the word chicken because, again, people... In case you didn't know, South Carolina's mascot is a rooster, not a chicken. Don't ever tell a diehard Gamecock fan that their mascot is a chicken because you will feel their wrath to no end. I'm just warning you now. Now, again, in fairness to Holloway, I don't think he came up with all of these names, but I just don't think that they really add a whole lot to the mascot itself. Now, there was one other name that was brought up that was extremely popular, and that was Cock Commander. So why not the name Cock Commander, especially after all of the buzz that was created by National Talking Heads regarding this potential mascot name? 
Well, there's a couple reasons why I think Cock Commander did not make the final cut. Firstly, I think the university was worried about the jokes that would be made of this name. And I'm going to just go ahead and assume that y'all understand how obvious this is to uh, the point where I'm not going to discuss that part any further. And I'll leave it up to your imagination as to what I am talking about here. The second reason why I think Cock Commander did not make the final cut is I think that because of everything I just mentioned, that the university wanted it to be something that was maybe a little bit more kid-friendly, where, again, in the whole sense of the word or the name, it couldn't be taken to any sort of dark, dirty place, whatever you want to call it. So, um, again, do I think that the general is a decent name based on the reasoning? Sure, I can understand and agree with it, but... I really do hate the fact that it can't be something like Sir Big Spur. Sir Big Spur just rolled right off the tongue. It was something that was synonymous with Gamecock football for so many years. But I do have to admit, I think that Cock Commander should have been the name for South Carolina's mascot. I just have to say, I think that no matter what name they decided to go with as a school, I think that they would have heard a lot of jokes regarding that name. Cock Commander at least sounds like something that can instill a little bit of fear into Gamecock opponents in general. The general is just bleh. It's just bland. And again, it just doesn't have really any association with the mascot itself. With the name itself, yes, there's plenty of association with that regarding Thomas Sumter, who I talked about earlier. But Overall, I think that Cock Commander would have fit better. Yes, you would have heard a lot of jokes, but at least it still would have sounded pretty cool. The general, it just doesn't. It just doesn't to any degree whatsoever. So that is my thoughts on South Carolina's mascot name controversy. What are your opinions on the new mascot name? Do you think it should have been Cock Commander? Do you think it should have been something that I didn't even mention on today's show? Also, what are your thoughts on Jadavion Clowney officially having his jersey retired here at South Carolina? Do you think maybe this should have happened already? Do you think that there's maybe another player that should have received this honor first? And also, what do you think of the idea of Connor Shaw having his jersey retired next and having the name Phil Petty attached with the jersey as well? I want to hear all y'all's thoughts on all these topics down below in the comment section if you're watching this on YouTube. But of course, if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a lion underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as I see them. And also, if you've enjoyed the Locked On Gamecocks podcast and you want to get more news on the entire SEC conference, then make Locked On SEC your second listen every day, where host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the entire SEC in just 30 minutes. So again, make Locked On SEC your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that's going to do it for me on today's show. Hope that y'all have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.